Steam Presents. Welcome to episode 38 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. This is, ladies and gentlemen, episode 38. 38. 38. Is there anything significant, Gabe? Let me explain Rolling into this. Let me explain this to you. So 38 years ago, my friend, was 1984. Obviously, we weren't born yet, but it was 1984. And do you know what came out in 1984? Some really, really important things in your life and my life. Um, I don't know. The Nikonos 5, ladies and gentlemen. What? Yes. The 5 came out in 1984. Why? We might even discuss that camera in today's episode. Oh, yes. And? That came out in 84. Fabulous. And the Leica M6. What? Yes. Oh, my God. I I love it. I will tell you that. I will tell you that. Well, listen, this is a big episode. This is a big episode. It's an ambitious episode. Last week, it was just me and Gabe. We did not even dip into the mailbag. Today, the long-anticipated dive into the prodigious mailbag. So, (laughs) our mailbag is two months deep. And I I just want to say, there's no excuse for that. We're not going to let this happen again until it happens. But you guys write. You're in conversation with us. We love that. It's idreamofcameras at gmail.com. These are amazing emails, and they're going to prompt a lot of discussion. But I'm going to tell you something. We're going to do this in an hour, and we got 36 emails to get through. So kabam, I'm going to be abridging and (laughs) short- I, I, I'm going to just be going at speed. We, you know, the, the listeners know this is how we do it. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to dive yeah, they, in. They're not upset go. at us. Yeah, they get it. Go. The first email from June 9th. Okay, as oh, I said, boy. we're two months deep. Yes. This is from our friend Nico Ghirlando. He says, Nico Ghirlando, e italiano. Nico Ghirlando. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, he's got a .uk address, so we'll anyway. see. We'll hear about it. He says, Hi, Jeff and Gabe. By no means do I expect a Quincy-like forensic reveal of what has happened, but at least someone shining the infrared (laughs) light of thought upon this strangeness may help towards some closure, he said. (laughs) Although you, Jeff, suggested I only take an Olympus XA4 with me to Paris, I did not heed your advice, mainly as I don't have one. Instead, he took his Olympus XA, his Nikon F301, I don't know what that is. His Yashica T2, which I believe has the same lens as the Remortgage Your House T4. He said, however, while most of the black and white rolls are fine, one of them seems to have the negatives solarized. See attached. They were hand-searched rather than scanned or x-rayed at the Eurostar train terminals and processed as usual. Has anyone experienced this before? I looked at this. It's very confusing. There is a halo-like solarized effect on some of this. I would talk to your lab, man. Very odd. Speaking of hand-checking, Heathrow would not hand-check my luggage, no matter how whiny I got. Oh, my gosh. What was the reason? Did they give you a reason, or did they just say, no, "No, we don't do it? They just said, we don't do it. They said, is it 400 speed or less? And I lied. And I said, actually, there's a roll in there that's 800. And they said, okay, we'll get a supervisor. The supervisor came over and refused. What am I going to do? It so, takes two seconds. It's so upsetting. 
They did not want to hand check it. They x-rayed it. Everything came out fine, but right. I'm nervous. Anyway, if anyone has any advice for Nico, have you ever gotten like a solarization effect like that? It's very odd. Anyway, thank you for writing, Nico. On we go. A correspondent from the past who I have very much enjoyed returns James Rufus Okoya Corin, also checking in on the subject of travel cameras and the Nikonos, which I think is how we're going to pronounce it for the purpose of today's episode. Nikonos. He said... A convergence of sorts of your recent items on travel cameras and the Nikonos. He said he just got back from a trip up the California coast, and here's what he took. A Minolta CLE and a Lights Minolta CL with the Voigtlander 28, the Rokor 40, and a Voigtlander 40. This seems like a lot of duplication to me. He says, did I need two 40s and two M mounts? Probably not. But like Gabe, yes. I worry about yeah. a camera breaking, oh. so I like to have a backup. Should we talk about what happened today? Should we talk about what happened yes, today? Yes, I think you should talk about what happened today since okay. we're on the subject of backups. What happened, Gabe? So I had a great shoot today um, hmm. with this actor, Kennedy Sky, and she's just amazing. And we get to like towards the end of the shoot and I realize I can't focus my Sumalux and mm. I can't at all. Like it's not moving at all. So I'm like, what did I do? And I take it off the camera and it literally falls apart in my hands almost. Oh my God. So it was um, very frustrating and very nerve wracking. But I had, I was shooting with the 35 Sumacron as well. And I sort of finished up with that. But it made me very, very nervous. I had, I was shooting the monochrome yeah, and the M10. And I have to tell you guys, I have the first version of the monochrome gifted to me by Mr. Fred Corey, our yes. amazing composer. And that camera is unbelievable. I always wow. just convert the M10 and then I shoot with the monochrome and I go, it's amazing. But anyway, how about that? if I didn't have that backup 35 with me and just relied on that Sumacron, it would have been a much shorter shoot. I mean, I have, look, I don't typically bring along a backup. I think if I was doing a model shoot, I absolutely would. I've mentioned in the past that I went, I went on a three-week cross-country trip. I brought my then-new EOS A2E, and the command dial broke on the first day, <laughs> rendering it unusable. So I had to shoot the whole trip with the backup, which was an Olympus 35RD. Thank God I brought it. Yep. And it came out great. But I understand bringing a backup under those circumstances. Yep. So, all right, on we go. James also says he did bring along one other camera on the trip, a new-to-me Minolta Weathermatic Dual 35. Have you ever used this, Gabe? I really haven't. I have. What? This is a totally delightful camera. This is a camera that I got when my kid was a kid, like right. when he was little, right. to take, take pictures of him in the pool. It is a self-contained, you know, it's, remember that Vogue for, in the, probably in the 80s and 90s, anything that was waterproof had to be yellow? Right. Right. Yellow Always. plastic? Even, and even any kind of housing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The Sony Discman right. was yellow because it was weatherproof. This is the same thing. Wow. It's got two lenses, telephoto and normal. Right. It's very easy to use, much less finicky than the Nikonos with the, the seals and the so forth. Right. Anyway. He very much enjoys it. He says, as you've noticed, I'm partial to Minolta's, so count me among the chorus demanding a Minolta episode. Okay. And he said, and Mr. Sachs, just let me know if you want to part with your autocord. Uh, this might happen, ladies and gentlemen, because I am trying to get an R5. So there's a lot of things that are on the chopping block that are going to go up for sale very soon. Now, you, 
You mean the Canon R5? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I am, I am selling everything to get an R5. Yes, a Canon R5. I am going to be selling most likely a Hasselblad 501CM and wow. possibly one of the Roloflex cameras. And then there you go. This will be a topic in our next episode. Both Gabe and I are considering a cull. We are mulling yeah. a cull. Uh, yes. As we mull the cull, how do you cull? And that will be a preview <laughs> of what's coming up. Right. Our next email is from Bear Brown. We love this guy. He's a professor of photography, I believe, in Savannah. I know he's in my home state of Georgia. I love this guy. The subject line is, my baby Roly and more. So he says he has a gray baby Roly, and he sent us a picture of it, which is so pretty. This little gray camera, he got it with the box and the case and the cap, the whole deal. He also said, you asked about travel cameras. He said, well, when possible, my Bush Pressman C is with me. I don't understand these guys who take these gigantor cameras. And they don't, first of all, let me do a sidebar right here, okay? Yes. Not only did they not, you know, make a big deal about this, there's no complaining. Like the last beers and cameras, you know, yes. we're, we're seeing Kai and a bunch of other people with these giant, giant cameras. Not one person goes, oh, my back. Oh, no. it's driving me nuts. They're totally Lots of happy. people with large format speed graphics, crown graphics. Never in a million years would I do that. So, yeah. But I admire people who do. He said yeah. the other is usually my Canon QL17 tinny or one of my TLRs, a Yashica 636 or EM. Huh. And the meter works still. He said, when I'm wanting to be more discreet, I pack the said baby Roly. He also talks about a great find he had at Goodwill. Not one, but two Olympus Stylus Zoom cameras, $4 each. Oh, jeez. What in the world? I don't understand how you guys are finding these cameras on the cheap. <laughs> Gabe, you just found a camera on the cheap, did you not? I just, mm-hmm. I just found a Nikon, what was it called? Like this is how excited I was. I got light touch zoom. I believe yes, eight hundred. Yes, I bought it at uh, the Salvation Army, and I and what happened is you got to remember something. I found the camera bag right, and it had the instructions on it. So there's nothing in it. So the instructions are in the bag. There's no camera, but I go yeah. If there's a bag. Someone must have taken the camera, just put it down, didn't know what it was. Yeah. So I'm scavenging, looking all over, and I find it. Oh, And I find it, and I press the on button. It works. I click it. It flashes. It had a battery in it? Everything worked. Everything worked. So I go and put it back in the bag and bring it up to the front, and he goes, uh, it's $9.99, but but, but 25% off, so it was $7.50. I don't even... This never happens to me. Yeah. This never happens to me. Yep. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Good job, you guys. He also talks about Craigslist. He said, I was looking for an enlarger for two by three. Found shipping was outrageous as well. He went to Craigslist, began searching areas he would be traveling to. Oh, In this that's case, a West great Virginia. Idea. Great, great idea. idea. Brilliant. He said he saw an ad on Craigslist for a Bessler 23CII at a great price. And he got in his truck, and when he got there, he had a second enlarger, a Bessler 23C. Unbelievable. That wow. is a great idea. Look at Craigslist in place you're going to be traveling to. Very so smart. smart. He also chimed in about his Nikonos 2, which he very much enjoyed. Anyway, Bear Brown, we love that guy. Next up, Roberto Martinez says. <laughs> yes. 
Hello, I am emailing an update on my quest to convince the other teacher at my school to gift me his AE1. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, totally. Remember this saga? Totally. Roberto emailed us a while back to say that he had a friend who was persistently lending him an AE1, and he was like, how do I get this guy to give me this camera? We suggested he push this guy in front of a bus, but then pull him back at the last minute. Exactly. And then when the guy says, what can I do for you? You saved my life. Oh, well, how about that AE1? Here's what he said. <laughs> Turns out, I did not have to push him in front of a bus, as suggested. He had already been planning on gifting it to me. Oh, this he is has lent greatest. it to me over the summer, which I am spending living in L.A., plans on giving it to me officially when I eventually leave the school we both work at. As a bonus, he has lent me a Tokyo Optic 28-80 to lens, which I assume to be a piece of garbage, but is actually amazing, and produced a pretty unique tornado bokeh effect which i have not seen before and he sent a sample shot it is pretty groovy so best wishes roberto next up gideon leventhal airly wrote to us subject line learning to reuse my eyes he said good afternoon chaps many many thanks for your podcast he compliments us we don't retweet praise okay (laughs) thank you for the kind words gideon he said at the recommendation of an old mate my starting point is episode 23 and his urging this is you this is your question you always ask if anyone else uses both eyes remember this oh boy he said firstly I am one of those two eyes open photographers, and I'm also left eye dominant, or at least I was. He said, I never thought it was odd or perhaps a touch unusual until I was on a photo walk and someone asked what I was using my other eye for. (laughs) (laughs) I can't really explain why I do, did, because it was just what came naturally. Anyway, he said he's been retraining his right eye to do what his left eye did before because he was born with this degenerative eye problem and so forth. So anyway, it has made him slow down and be a more patient observer and photographer. How interesting is that? That's a great story. That's awesome. Pretty fantastic. He also said that his eye concerns prompted a change in camera systems. He has a Fuji X100S to knock about with and a film 35mm Olympus OM2N, which he got from his dad. And he said he talks about how wonderful it is to shoot with this camera that he's sentimental about, nostalgic about. Anyway, Gideon from Manchester, UK, thank you for writing. Very good story. Next up. Logan Dodds reminded us about the $12 million Leica. We talked about this. <laughs> Gabe, are you enjoying shooting with that camera? It's amazing. The craziest thing is that when you use the right kind of chisel, you can get your name perfect, perfectly <laughs> balanced. Like So it's just, there's a little blank space there, and I'm on the A of Gabe. So Great, great. Yeah, so look, we'll, we'll, you guys we'll, love it. We'll post a picture. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Nick Isom wrote, short email. He said, I was deciding what camera to take for a weekend Ibiza. So he channeled Marie Naikondo and asked himself what sparked joy, and he packed the Olympus XA4. Ugh, I'm sorry. And a Minolta that. Weathermatic. Right. And a Fuji X-T4. Right. And the Pentax 67 with the 105 and the 160. This is my favorite person ever. <laughs> That's right. Oh. That's, and also, okay. just so you know, wait, since you brought it up, the XA4 will probably be on the chopping block, too. Exactly. Oh, yours? Wait, just, just what? Saying, just saying. Keep going. Don't wow. let me interrupt your okay. show. 
Okay. All right. <laughs> Gideon also sent us a picture, by the way, of his OM2N. We're going to talk more about the OM2N in a minute. Timothy Floyd sent us a picture of Henri Cartier-Bresson holding his Leica CL. What? what? I've never seen yes. that. Actually, it is a real authentic picture. He's got some other lens on it. I think it's like a 28 or something because he's using an external finder. Fascinating. Okay. Jim Melcher wrote, load much? Okay. This is off our question. How many cameras do you keep loaded with film? He said, dear Gabe and Jeff, how many? Too many. He yeah. said, so many, he uses an online database to keep track. He said, at the risk of enabling more of your listeners to follow my bad habits, here is the link. It is film tracker, track R, no E, dot com. He said, not only that, the site can help you log your burgeoning camera and lens collection. You can link lenses to bodies, log shot by shot what your settings were. Jim Melcher recommends this. Gabe. How do you track what's in what camera, or do you even? Can you plug that again? I think that's worth a plug. I know nothing about it, but I love the sound of that. Film Tracker, T-R-A-C-K-R dot com. Pretty cool. Neat site. Yeah. Jim Melcher recommends it. Yeah, no, I have a very sophisticated, I really, it's kind of like our repair person. I don't like to reveal um, I such hear a you. scientific method, but my method is I pick up a camera, look at it, it has film in it, and I go... Huh. And that's it. That's about it. I don't even, I don't have any idea what kind of film it's in there unless it, I have a little window. Wow. Yeah. I have film in five cameras right now and it's a real problem. Do you know all like the that. film though? Yes, because oh, well, I keep good. on the notes app on my phone. Right. I have a, okay, I'm just going to betray a little thing that I do here. I have a, a note called film. At the top of it is a list of the cameras that are currently loaded and what they are loaded with. Then below that is the contents of my film fridge. The stuff that is 35 millimeter, instant, 120, and Minox. And it tells me how many of each I've got. How about that? I, I'm so blown away by that. I'm very impressed. impressed I have none of that. Or terrified. I'm both of them. Impressified. But it's fine. Totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> On a similar subject, Daniel Schneider writes. On the subject of film in multiple cameras, he says, gentlemen, I will not sing the praises of your pod because I know it makes you uncomfortable. Thank you for that. He says, as for film in multiple cameras, yes, of course. He says he has a roll of P3200 in his F100. I assume that means Nikon. An expired roll of Kodak Gold in his F3. I assume that means Nikon. A roll of Ektachrome in his FM2N. I guess that means Nikon. A roll of Portra 800 in his XA. That means Olympus. An HP5 in his SP. A Fuji Acros 100 too in his Nikon Zoom Touch. And a roll of Fuji Pro 400H in his Fuji Super Fujika 6. At this point, I have more cameras with film in them than I have cameras which are empty. Wow. Daniel, what do you... I would go insane. I don't know what I would do. I would need to shoot out one of those cameras. He said, in episode or three back, you also asked whether listeners were one camera people like Jeff or 37 camera people like Gabe. In other words, <laughs> how many do you bring along? He said, I can say for sure that I'm like Gabe, but aspire to be like Jeff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all do. I recently went on a four-day backpacking trip where I carefully accounted for every ounce in my bag except for the four cameras I took with me and two quart-sized bags full of film. Wow. That is fantastic. He said also he is having some issues with his new XA, but I'm very curious about the fact that you were talking about dumping that XA4. Hmm. Have you just? Are you just fed up? I What's get, happening? First of all, I'm fed up with a lot of things. Okay, <laughs> let, let me let me tell you about one of the things I'm fed up with. I'm first of all, 
I'm here's what I'm appreciative, and then I'll tell you what I'm. I'm very appreciative okay. that I, which you know, have had this persistent issue with very grainy, grainy, grainy negatives. Yes, yes. And I, what's and they happening? Have, they have been shot on four different cameras, and it's all been HP five, Ilford HP five. I sent a letter to Ilford. And Wait, they, what about what your buddy Jeff did for you? You skipped a step. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> During my scientific research on the issue, my friend Jeff Greenstein, he actually did a test. So he printed them himself and did the digital scans himself. And there we go. Yeah, and we go. Uh, sorry, keep going. And we, uh, where, where do what was our conclusion? That there's some issue, right? They're very grainy. They're, yeah, very, they're very grainy. <laughs> they're very. That grainy. was what we concluded. Yes, we concluded they're very grainy. So it was very frustrating. But I wrote to Ilford, and they wrote me right back i mean yeah, they wrote me within that? a day and with a very long letter and i'm sending them the batch numbers and sending all the stuff we're going to see if we can get to the bottom of it and see if it's not user error we'll see yeah we thought it might be the lab with it but it's not it's not that and it, they were all properly exposed so yes yeah, stay tuned yes for the next part of this saga and again thank you daniel schneider for writing next up our friend Tom Northenskold said, Dreamers, I have an idea for a show topic. Oh, we love It's those. something I've been turning around in my head for some time. Here's the idea. For every expensive camera out there, Nikon FM3A, FM2N, Olympus OM4T, Rolly 2.8F, M3, M6, there is a less expensive value option. While these value cameras might not be direct replacements, they can get you a long way there. This is great. My course, yep. this is a great idea. I already great, love I this. Love it, love it. My love it. corresponding value lineup for the cameras I listed above might look like this Nikon FE2, Nikon FM, Olympus OM2 or 2N, Rollacord, Nikon S3 or SP. Now, that's not cheap. Olympus 35 SPN. For hyper value, I'd put medium format folders on the list. I recently bought the 6x6 shooting Zeiss Netar, which is a camera I believe you have as well. Yes, I right love it. That? Yep. He bought it with the proceeds from selling his Rolleiflex 2.8C. Found out he's just not a TLR guy. The Anastigmat lens is amazing. He attaches a photo, which is gorgeous. Great idea, Tom. Budget alternatives to the big, That's like, so smart. gold-plated yeah. cameras. I love it. Great idea. And guys, listen, chime in with your own examples. Yep. Tell us what the value alternative to those gold-plated cameras are. Great idea, Tom. Next up, Martin McPherson. Oh, boy. He says, <laughs> first, I should mention that I laugh every time you I hear your Scottish <laughs> accent for my name, but also... Make note of the quotes around Scottish. So funny. <laughs> he says, thank you for indulging me, Martin. He says, I think it's good to sell whatever cameras you don't use. I think the yeah. only way to keep our beloved hobby going is to have equipment available to the newer folks. And since no major manufacturer is stepping up right now, it has to be the used market. So the more cameras in new hands, the better off we'll all be. But Gabe, does this mean you'll start Marie Nikondoing your camera bags as well? Absolutely. There's no, I do not need all those bags, but I will absolutely never sell them. Does that make sense? You will never sell them. <laughs> no, I, I no. There are bags that I, I actually. <laughs> there's sometimes. This is how bad it is, guys. Sometimes I will find bags I didn't know I had, so yes. I will go. Oh yeah, I have that one. So I'm happy. I do have about. I honestly have about seven, really good camera bags that I can part with, 
and I'm oh, very happy to do it. Out I of mean, forty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> could be forty eventually, but right now, okay. Yeah, no, I really do have some that I can can get rid of. So I'll probably sell okay. one of those with one of the cameras I get rid of. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Martin goes on to say he also uses a note-taking app on his phone to take note of what cameras are in his collection, their condition, what films and what, and so forth. He also said, he, in terms of the cameras he's lusting for, he's looking for a Fuji GW690. Gabe, do you recall how close I came to oh buying my, one of those? Oh, my. You were so close. That was I crazy. was so close, but do you remember what held me back? It was too expensive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Or perhaps a working Tessina. We saw a Tessina at our uh, repair guy's shop right. this weekend. Right. Beautiful camera. And I strongly lust after a high-quality working Nikon rangefinder. He thinks they're the most beautiful rangefinders made. Hot take. Yep. And he thanks us for the podcast. Thank you. Martin! <laughs> On we go. <laughs> Lars Janer, or Johnner. Lars, tell us how to pronounce your name. I don't know where to begin. Oh, wait. You know what? Maybe it's Janer. Yes. Janer. Well, we covered okay. the bases now. Uh, listen, it's one of them. Pick one. He said, hey, dreamers, I hope we're not sick of the travel camera subject. I want to share an anecdote and hear your thoughts. Many years ago, I spent four months backpacking through Peru, Chile, and Argentina. This means I carried everything I needed for this trip in one large backpack, including a pup tent, camping gear. He traveled on trains and buses, but he hiked quite a bit. His camera was an EOS 700 with two zoom lenses, 35-105 and 75-200. How about that? That's amazing. A lot of heavy glass and motors. He said, despite being a strapping youth at the time, I felt the weight of that gear every day. And for years after, I swore never to do that again. But he did shoot a dozen or so rolls of original Ektachrome. If anyone's interested, check out his Instagram, Lars Janer, J-A-N-E-R, photography, and scroll back to 2020. And he attaches a picture. Very strapping youth. <laughs> I, you know, I did travel once with like a big old lens like that. I was on vacation in Alaska and I brought along like a big pump and honking like 35-105 Canon Zoom with my Canon EF. And yeah. like hiking around the base of Denali with that thing's like, I'm never doing this again. Have you ever brought big gear on a hiking trip or something? No, but it just brings me back to my horrible, you know, in my mind, I thought I was going to have this, that Cecilia bag, which I love, but not to haul like heavy cameras so i had all my cameras yeah. for fashion week last september and i couldn't i just couldn't do it i just it was so heavy and i was hiking as in the in the, in the sense that i was hiking from show to show and hiking yes. all over new york with that bag where i panicked and had to go to bnh and get a lighter one i mean it was that heavy yeah I couldn't imagine that is, hiking. Uh, that's yeah. a lot. And plus two long zoom lenses. Well, anyway, we admire you, Lars. Thank you for writing. Next up, our dear friend, Rolf Tessum. As you recall, Rolf was engaged in a project to try and break down 400-foot cinema loads to 100-foot loads so he could bulk load ectochrome. He did it. No. He sent a picture of his rig. Oh, right, right, right. That's so cool. With the reels. He says he yeah. has an editor friend, the guy who cut Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle, and wow. came through the rescue and gave him some 35-millimeter spindles. That's a great friend. Phenomenal. Great job, Rolf. Well done. Now up is a guy who only identifies himself as the unknown comic photographer. Now, this guy emailed us four times. He basically started blogging at us. Yes. So I'm going to abridge these four <laughs> emails as we hit them and just say, first of all, this guy's a really good writer, really whoever good this writer. is. He doesn't really identify good, himself. Right. Really good writer. But he says, I'm going to read a little bit of this first email. He says, Gabe and Jeff, 
You of all people should know that if this little show of yours is going to go the distance, it can't just be a frothing bubble of happiness and enthusiasm <laughs> all the time. You need a villain or yep. at least an anonymous troll. Yep. I so want to be that for you. But damn you, I find myself writing in just to agree with Jeff on the amphibious Nikonos 5, Nikonos 5, being right. a great dry land, go everywhere rig. I already own one of these in green, no less, just like mine. So what the hell? Let's gear talk this thing up till the eBay runs dry. He says, <laughs> I think the Nikonos 5 may not be only the best, but the laziest street camera setup ever made. You don't have to focus because it's scale slash hyperfocal. You don't have to meter because it's aperture priority. You don't have to compose because you shoot at the end of the strap. You don't have to baby it because it's bomb proof. You don't have to worry because it's cheap. And finally, you don't have to think about lenses because the 35 is the only normal one that works out of water. But oh, 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 that lens. Yeah, yeah, everybody loves that lens, but lens talk is boring. That's not why I'm writing. I am writing because I am deeply concerned that you, Jeff, even you, may not really properly appreciate in your soul, I love what he's about to say, the actual best feature of the Nikonos 5, which is, of course, the shutter button. He is so right about this. He says, he Forget George Orwell and his bummer predictions. Forget Steve Jobs and his boxy Macintosh computer. The most important single innovation introduced in 1984 oh, wow. was the Nikonos 5 shutter button. Like its whole iron and rubber body, this camera's shutter button is heavy, damp, and square. When you push the button, it travels down and oh so slightly back toward your face in a way that makes it impossible to shake the camera. The shutter and the film advance are quiet as a tomb. This camera is so dead inside, it makes everything around it shudder with joy. Okay, being serious for a moment. If you are just trying to get good film photos and don't mind generous sharpness slash depth of field, pair this thing with HB5 shot at 1,000 or Portra 800 at 800 set to F11 or 16. Put the focus in the middle and just go. It is so easy to use that you can put all your energy into the impossible task of actually being where you are and making just one good goddamn picture for once. Yours, not yours, the unknown comic photographer. So uh, good. That's such a good every letter. syllable. Yeah, every syllable is a gem. Great email, and he is a hundred percent right. You know, it's interesting. I was shooting through the role that I had in the Nikonos this past week. It is the sexiest, sweetest shutter button. Those of you who cry, who weep gently when you push the button on your Leica M3, try the Nikonos Five because he's right. It is sexy. It is really, really good. Okay, Bruce Horn writes. McKeown's, McKeown's, McKeown's <laughs> Price Guide to Antique and Classic Cameras. He says, Dear Dynamically Dreaming Duo, I don't oh, think I, I remember that. you discussing this on the show, but I assume you have seen this before. Any of your listeners who have only been into cameras for the last decade or two might not be aware of it. That is the McCown's Price Guide to <laughs> Antique and Classic Cameras. How do you pronounce it? McCown? McCown? McCowan's, I thought, but who knows? M-C-K-E-O-W-N. He said, back in the day, it was kind of expensive, and any money I had went into camera gear instead, but now online and used booksellers have old editions for very little money. He said he found the 9596 edition for five bucks. Smart E-Pants. I do have this. It is a total kick. Yes, you have to disregard the prices in it, but it will have every model. This thing is the size of a phone book. Great tip. Gabe, do you have this book? I don't have this book. But I remember at the camera... I got to tell you, though, at the camera shows, they were not 
inexpensive. No, I thought they were expensive. I thought they yeah. were like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, I like I like them, but I just never bought yeah, them because they're too but he's much. He's saying online they don't go for so much. Yeah, I also like the uh, the blue book. Yeah, I forget what it's called. The blue book is useful too. I love, by the way, I will buy any kind of consumer guide or collector guide to cameras, even if it's out of date, because I like looking at the descriptions and the pictures and so forth. Total kick. Okay, so Bruce Horn, thank you for that. Next up, our friend Alan Perez says. I have four cameras, <laughs> a Leica 3F, which was CLA'd recently, <laughs> an Olympus XA that I used regularly, an Olympus style of zoom. I ran a roll of film through about a year ago, a Canon A1 and three lenses. All appear to work well. He said, what can I do to stave off the camera equivalent of arthritis or gout or similar ailments, you know, stiff winders, frozen shutters and the like? I remember Jeff mentioning something about an exercise regimen once. Thanks, Alan. Gabe, do you exercise your cameras? No, I mean, you what? know, I, uh, you know, I just don't not as much as I should. I mean, I believe that you probably have a schedule to exercise your cameras. You think you know me. <laughs> well, you do. I actually do do that. If I'm idly, you know, listening to a podcast and so forth, I will occasionally pick up every camera on the shelf, fire the <laughs> shutter, advance it a few times, look through it, make sure the battery's working. I always leave them uncocked when I can. Interesting. But uh, I do do that. I also, oh my God, speaking of logging things, I have a separate note on my phone. Not every camera I own, but the ones that use exotic and strange batteries, I take a note of every battery that I've put in the camera and when I installed it. There's no way. That I swear to God. is impressive. I swear to God. That's amazing because I'm always putting fresh batteries in because I can't remember when I put them in. That's a really I smart. I think part of it is because we use the thingy and we use those 675 hearing aid batteries, those right. batteries die within a year. And right. so you do have to track a little bit and they die fast. My brother is actually on vacation in Niagara Falls with his OM1 and he called us, as you remember, from the car the other day because his battery, right. his hearing aid battery had failed. So... I check, you know, I like to check to make sure I didn't leave the battery in too long, that it's not leaking or crusty or whatever. That's what I would do. But the best exercise regimen for a camera is to actually shoot with it because just firing the shutter and advancing is not enough because right. that doesn't necessarily turn the spindles where the film goes and it doesn't really check your meter and so forth. So that's my exercise regimen. Shoot the camera with dust on it. On we go. Look, Nico Girlando. Checks in again with the final word on travel cameras. And here's what he said. Two bodies, one for color, one for black and white. A wide and a standard lens. One small point and shoot. Olympus XA is perfect, but I'll generally use a trip or the Yashica T2 with color film for snapshots. That's it. Wrapped up in a Billingham bag. Oh, nice. How about that? I like the philosophy. Yeah. Okay, next up. Bear Brown. Naming a camera is harder than naming a vehicle. Do you remember this from episode 35? We asked people, do they name their cameras? Yeah. I, I don't do that. He says, I don't have names for my cameras, but after listening to the names Shutter Brother Wayne has for his cameras, I want to. I also named my vehicles. I had a red VW GTI dubbed Red Lightning, a green Honda Accord called the Green Hornet. When you ask Talia about why the Hasselblad, I often have the same question for Hasselblad and Leica owners as well. I love my rangefinders, Yashica MG1, Canon QL17, but my philosophy has been, oh my God, un gran bailarín baila con cualquier pareja. Oh my goodness, Jeff. Which means 
Any great dancer can dance with any partner. Did that sound like I was speaking Spanish? Yeah, it was very good. It was very, okay. very authentic. So I've never gotten attached to any specific brand, but I do have a preference in styles. He said, now, full disclosure, my aunt recently gifted me my uncle's Lycaflex SL. Why I don't shoot with it much? The shutter sound is very impressive. Gabe, you were over at my house the other day with your Lycaflex SL. Talk to me about that camera. There's something about that camera. It's and I and I think what it is, and you know, I have the R62, which I shot with the other day, and it was yes. just fine. But there's something about how solid the Leica Flex SL is. I mean, you held it, and it just feels like a solid yeah. camera, and it feels very steady in the hands, and I feel like I can focus easily, and I love it. I have a roll in there right now, so hopefully I'll get that developed next week. During that period of time before I acquired the X-Pan, yes. <laughs> when I was at Unique Photo in Philadelphia, they had a black 50th anniversary SL2. I took a hard, hard look at that camera. It is sweet. And you got that Leica glass on the front. Yeah. And I still feel like those Leica flexes, the early ones, are still undervalued. People are starting to wake up. You know, we were talking about, what were we saying is the new M5? What is, oh, yes, the Hasselblad, like the ELM is the M, the Leica M5 of the Hasselblad series. I feel like also the Leica flexes for Leica shooters, those are still a little undervalued. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah, totally. Thank you for writing in Bear Brown. By the way, if you have names for your cameras, we really do want to hear them. Here is <laughs> unknown comic photographer again. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'll just read the beginning, and then I'm going to abridge it. He says, Okay, so maybe my first attempt at trolling you guys accidentally turned into a love note about a shutter button. No matter. As the French say, I shall taunt you a second time. Oh, my gosh, that's so good. <laughs> he said, I was, in fact, already the unknown villain in a story Jeff told way back in 26 about an eBay auction for a 20-roll brick of expired Panatomic X that got bid up to $400 by some dilettante jackass. Yes, that was me. Oh, my God. That was him. You're kidding. He said, Jeff took it as a sign of the film apocalypse at the time, but I assure you I am no such horseman. This was my nemesis. Maybe this is why he's reluctant to identify himself. Interesting. The remainder of this email is the unknown comic photographer rhapsodizing about Panatomic X, which he loves as much as I do. And he said, he's a junkie. He said, once you are that far gone, 400 for the last 20 rolls on Earth seems like a steal. Yeah. How about that? He loves it. He says, Rolly RPX 25 is pretty great. I've actually never shot that. I've been shooting Ilford Pan F50 as I my got, substitute. I, I have that, and I really need to shoot that, yeah. Well, you know, I was so in love with Panatomic X, I got hypnotized, and I ordered a 100-foot roll of Ilford Pan F50 because I was like, you know what? I'm all about I'm in. It's summer. <laughs> I'm all about shooting the slow. And I got to tell you something. I mean, you've liked this, right? The recent shots I've gotten out of the oh, X-Pan. amazing, amazing. The combo of that slow, very fine-grained film with the X-Pan, which effectively has a medium-format lens, I am loving are you saying that they make, combo? They make fine grain film. <laughs> <laughs> that, is that but such a thing? I am trying to use it up. I uh, am trying to use well, it. Well, I'm going to start. But anyway. I'm excited. That's great to hear. So yes, have you shot Panatomic X? I forget. Uh, no, I have not. I really have oh, not. It is. 
you know, we got to score you a role for portraits. You know what yes. I'm going to do? I was gifted a role of 120 oh, Pentatomic X. I'll give it to you. Oh, Michael Kaplan you so much. gave me a role of that. You should shoot with that and I see will what shoot you it. think because your portrait stuff. Oh, I can't Remind wait. me. I will do it. By the Thank way, Michael so Kaplan, Michael Kaplan, whom we love, yes. recently retired his Ephemeral Machine podcast, which we miss because Michael has a number of other work opportunities which have come his way. He also gave me a Canon Dial 35. That so works. Great. So great. Michael, you're such a good I man. I know. You spent all that time saying they don't work. I'm so excited the one works. I know. And he gave me one where the spring wine works and the meter works. So I'm going to shoot that one of these days. Thank you, unknown comic photographer, for your love letter to Pan X. Here's Brian McDonald. <laughs> I really need to be stopped. Now, if we, okay. just so you know, look, if we're in another country and you guys see us, yes. please don't tackle us. I just fear you that know, one of these people is going to go... There they are. Attack. I, I, Graham, Graham did give me kind of a hard time about <laughs> the accents when I saw him. Oh, my uh, gosh. But I, you know, I thought, well, you know, if the roles were reversed, what would Graham do if I gave him a hard time about something? It would only encourage him. So wow. I'm going to keep, I guess I'm going to keep doing it. Okay. So Brian sent us a lengthy email, which I'm afraid I have to abridge. But he is talking about his six-month-long gas saga okay and basically what this is about is the sequence of events that led to his acquisition of a pentax 67 oh my gosh he said that while listening to episode 36 with chris chu he did feel the love for the 500 cm rise within him but no he ultimately came back to getting a 67 and it is quite a saga. And Brian, thank you for sharing it. I am very, very, very excited to see what you shoot with this camera. Follow Brian. I'm going to spell his name. B-M-A-C-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L on Instagram. Okay? We're going to be looking out, Brian, for your shots with your brand new 6.7. I feel like in a lot of ways, the 6.7 is to Brian what that X-Pan was to me. Brian, thank you for sharing your saga. Have you been shooting with your 6.7 lately? I don't think you have. I have. I actually shot last oh. week. I have not processed the film yet because of the issue that's happening with me in the grave. Oh, I see. I see. But Do you like, still that. like shooting I with that? I love that camera. It just... That one, I don't, for some reason, I don't mind the weight because of how it's balanced to me. Yeah. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm holding a giant SLR. So I don't sort of feel that, like, where I feel with the RZ67, that that's just a giant thing and it's awkward to hold. I feel like I can hold the Pentax 67. It's very comfortable. I want you to do a quick little sidebar since the subject of the Hasselblad 500CM has yes. come up. <clears throat> Can you just do, just take a quick ride with us yes. through your renaissance of interest in the Hasselblad in recent days? Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, here, here's what happened. Okay, so I shot a, a test roll to the 501CM and go, you know what? I just don't know if I need this camera. And I love the pictures. Okay? Hmm. Love yeah. the pictures. And mm -hmm. then I started going, what else do I have? So I started digging in my little Hasselblad section. And I find that I have a 503CX, which is, you know, a later model version. 
And I'm going, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I had that. It was embarrassing, like ridiculous. It didn't work. So I probably just thought it was a junker that I got very cheap somewhere. I brought it to our repair guy. He repaired it in a few days. It's as good as new. And so yeah. now I'm debating because I really have four Hasselblad cameras. I have a 500C, which I can't get. It was a very amazing gift from my friend yes. Toby. And then I've got the ELM, which I got for $200 at B&H. Can't sell that. Okay. The two on the chopping block. You see, you don't understand. The two on the chopping block are the 501CM and the 503CX. And then when I talk to our repair guy, he goes, no question. I think for your photography, what you do, just they're both boxes. He said, they're both, you know, you know, but yeah. keep the 503, you know, just keep the 503. And then if you're, don't want the 503, keep the 501. There was no real, you know, um, but I'm, but I, I am, you know, and then I go back and forth. It's like, do I really need that one for fashion week, that R5? Like how bad do I really need it? I like the pictures from last year on the, on the M6. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, on the M10. Do I need to, I You were know. seduced by the fast focusing on the Canon Oh R5. my gosh, Chris Chu, I curse you. Yeah, Chris Chu, first of all, he's a master of that camera. But when he was showing me how to, you know, when I saw how fast he focused, I couldn't believe it. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I think you I think you got the bug. Yeah. But I just found it interesting that you were completely about, I'm going to divest myself of the 503. Oh, and then the repair guy said a few sweet things about it. And you're all of a sudden like, oh, I don't yeah. know if I can part with it now. He just, all he had to say is, you're not going to sell this, are you? <laughs> and that's the end. That's all, all right. that happens. Very upsetting. All right, on we go. Here's the unknown comic photographer again. What? I, like I said, he's blogging at us. Yeah. And he actually called this, the subject line is number three. Like, what? he said, this is basically, he said, 30 for 30, a.k.a. the camera junkie Pepsi challenge. Okay, so here's what he was saying. He was saying, can I rank my cameras based on how many all-star pictures each one took? Isn't this interesting? You know, we often talk about cameras from the standpoint of what do you enjoy shooting, which ones are dear to you for sentimentality, which ones. But he's saying, flip it. Which hmm. cameras have given you the best results? Oh, and yeah. that is funny because, I mean, I listen, in my case, the Alpa has been some of the best pictures, and it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy because I shoot with it the most. But anyway, here we go. He said, for black and white, it was a tie. Surprisingly, not between the Roloflex 2.8e and the Hasselblad 501CM, but between the super cheap Voigtlander Bessa L with the 15mm Heliar and the Fuji Class W point and shoot. What in the world? He said 35mm wide and fast can beat fancy medium format glass for candid black and whites, I guess. He said for color, it wasn't the Contacts G2, or the elusive Plowbell Machina, or even the hipster boat anchor Mamiya RB, but rather that oversized SLR workhorse, the Pentax 672. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So he asked us what camera wins based on our 30 best all-time pictures. That is a tricky one for me. First of all, I'll, tell, I'll do this for you, okay? Okay, what? I, the one that can never go, yeah, is that X-Pan. Well, let me yeah. tell you something. 
spectacular and it also fits all the stuff you like how you take pictures i mean that's it like does. it just like fits perfectly yeah i mean i've only had this thing a month right but the res- i also got to say this not that you know the response is everything but i have posted several of these shots on instagram and people are raving about yeah. these pictures they're great and i do think it's because of what you're saying my eye is suited to shooting in this wide frame yeah and it's a fast focusing camera. It's very versatile, far more versatile than the wide lux guys. Right. It's just much easier to shoot with. So yeah, I think the X-Pan would be creeping into that top three spot easily. The Alpha, but look, I think about my Polaroid 195. I've taken amazing shots with the 195 or with the Minox even. Like some of my favorite shots are Minox shots. So this gets tricky. And then like a CL gets tricky really fast for me. Right. What about you? If you're going from results, got to be your m6 right i think it's definitely the m6 and in second place it would be the roloflex yeah i agree with that too i think that's what that would be that would be it but you know i don't know what happens to me and i this is such a sidebar but i mean what happens to me is when something like that happens with the you know the grainy film it really affects me like it like wow. my confidence level goes down of picking up that camera again you know what i mean I, mm, even though it's yeah. the same cameras it's just something about that huge grain i go well look at all the medium format ones i just shot i just shot you know roloflex stuff last week of claire and yeah and i love them and crystal clear there's not one issue with the grain so you know I, I understand that getting rattled. If you get one or two rolls of like questionable results out of yeah. a camera, it shakes your faith in it. It is a relationship. I get that. Yeah. I get that. All right. Okay, next up. Tom Northern's Gold says, Gabe and Jeff, last week I was driving solo from Minnesota to Eastern Kentucky and back volunteering on a youth mission trip with our church to pass the time. I went back to the very beginning of your fabulous podcast and wow. replayed all the episodes. We haven't done Gee that. Gee yeah. whiz. Oh, I hope you enjoyed it. He said a couple of topics came up I thought I'd email you on. And since coming down with COVID a few days after returning, oh my God, feel better, Tom. I've got plenty of time to draft an email to you. The first topic will be controversial camera straps. Oh boy. He said, my requirements for a camera strap were born out of walking the 500-mile Camino de Santiago back in 2015. I don't know what that is. I assume it's in South America. He said the strap needs to be canvas so it will dry quickly. Second, it needs a quick release mechanism. Third, and most importantly, it needs rings that I can use to attach the strap to carabiners that are attached to the backpack. He said, I've only found one strap that meets all these requirements, the Domke Web camera strap with swivel quick release. The one and a half inch version runs $22 at B&H. Huh. He said, why a strap at all? I was using trekking poles so I couldn't hand carry a camera. Wow. So he shows us a picture of his setup, which he uses with his Olympus OM-2. Then he goes on to the subject of the Olympus OM-1 and OM-2. By the way, do you know this strap before I move on? Because I'm not strap boy. Do you know that strap? Not at all. Okay. Well, interesting tip. 
My second topic is about the styling of the Olympus OM-1 and OM-2N. Jeff mentioned he didn't like the styling of the two as much as the one. To my eye, they look almost identical. I wonder if the issue is that you often see the two with the ugly hot shoe on top. Both my one and two have the screw-in hot shoe, which he never uses. He says they're equally as beautiful. He says the two adds exposure compensation dial on top of the camera. It's where the shutter speed dial is on most cameras. In aperture priority mode, I can dial in exposure comp without ever having to take the camera away from his eye and he sends some pictures of the front and back okay gabe do you remember there was a guy who came up to me at beers and cameras and said the exact same thing jeff why don't you like the om2 look at mine it looks just like the om1 are you ready here it comes ladies and gentlemen (laughs) i don't think the black dial on top (laughs) looks as nice as the chrome (laughs) oh i can't believe this is coming out now this is like a huge confession he is right that the black <laughs> dial on top is actually more useful because it's your it's your exposure compensation dial, whereas having a gigantic fat dial for ASA sitting squat on top of the camera on the OM-1 makes no sense. I just think it looks a little better. Oh, my and the goodness. the graphics on it, the graphics on the black dial of the OM-2. <laughs> You're all about design. It's all it's so about bad. design. I mean usability you're right it's probably a more usable camera i just love my one and let's don't forget guys i have an m1 you've got the not fanciest. an om baby yeah you've got the uh the, the camera that infuriated yeah. like a yes exactly now yes. what are what are the biggest differences between those two cameras the two and the one well what he just described and i also believe wait a minute i'm no, gonna there's look something, this up there's so a, i know let me just look this up so I don't get it wrong. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Olympus OM-2N has the shutter speed dial on top as opposed to around the collar. Am I right about that? Well, I like that. No, I am not right about that. That is not the difference. I'm wrong about that. In every other way, it looks just like the OM-1. <laughs> I have no excuse, guys. I'm a broken person. I'm a strange man. I just spent a lot of money on an X-Pan. Don't trust me. What do I know? Okay, we're going to vacuum up a few short ones. We're not going to be able to empty the mailbag, but we're going to vacuum up a few short ones. Right. Alan Perez says, I know you mentioned Camera London on the latest podcast. Now, that is the stand at Portobello Road right. that I went to with uh, Graham from Sunny 16. He says, it looks like such a neat place on their Instagram feed. Maybe tell us a bit more on an upcoming episode. Maybe you could do a bonus episode or an Instagram post. Alan, here's the thing. If you go to London, you got to check this out. I will post a photo in the next couple of days of the camera table that I shot on the X-Pan. Amazing selection of cameras all up and down the dial in terms of price. Everything from simple point-and-shoots and even Lomo cameras up to high-end SLRs. Yeah. And the prices were quite good. They are at Cameras London on Instagram. They also, if you Google Cameras London, they have a website as well. But they do all of their sales through this stand at Portobello Road Saturday morning. So if you go to London, you got to check that out, baby. Definitely. Okay. You know what? For our final email... We're not going to empty the mailbag, guys. We still have about eight or nine that we'll handle in the next episode. But I want to go to Matt Murray. Yeah, Matt Murray. Today, I think, is Matt's birthday. Did you know that? Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Matt Murray. He reeled off a list of quick-fire topics because they don't say rapid-fire, by the way, in the UK and in Australia. They say quick-fire. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. 
Here's some quick fire topics from Matt Murray to close out our mailbag episode. Here he says, Good day, Jeff and Gabe. Look what he's doing. He's he's Australianing us. It's been forever since our last email to you. He said, given your mailbox is full and Jeff's predilection for skimming over fluff, I've decided to bullet point some thoughts. Here he says, loved hearing about Jeff's trip to the UK. Thank you for that. I knew Jeff still wanted an X-Pan. It was frustrating hearing the lies he told himself to the contrary. So funny. He said, other than Graham, who I've had the fortune slash misfortune of meeting, who should be next on my Sunny 16 Pokemon hunt next time I'm in the UK? How am I supposed to answer that question, man? <laughs> Everyone was so generous. Collect all four. Yes. I will tell you, though, Rachel let me do darkroom work with her. That's right. I'm just saying. The most productive. Well, no, because with Claire, I shot all these beautiful shots. I can't even say that, man. You got to collect all four. Exactly. Got to catch them all. Yep. He said. Jeff, and I assume this means you too, man. He said, when are you coming to Australia? I've had the Brisbane Welcomes S. Jeff Greenstein banner outside my house since January when you threatened to visit. Lucy Lumen and I will roll out the sunny weather for you and Gabe anytime. Gabe, when are we going to Australia? You know what? That's a great trip. That is a really, I've never been. really great trip. Let's I have do been it. to NZ, but I have not been to Australia. And... I w- and my friend Jeremy is from there. I mean, I have a number of friends now to see. He said, by the way, isn't it four days Lucy, from now there? Isn't it something like that? Aren't yeah, like five I mean, the days time ahead? changes. You're, you're literally going into the future when you go there. <laughs> he said, speaking of Lucy, this is a plug. He said, we have a new film photography show, The Analog Hour, which is published on Lucy Lumen's YouTube with the audio on the Matt Loves Cameras podcast feed. When we were brainstorming ideas, I noted that depth of field preview had been a popular topic on I Dream of Cameras. There were crickets from Lucy, followed by <laughs> threats to dump me out of the show. Oh, boy. People who talk about depth of field preview is now a running joke between us. <laughs> Check out that show. By the way, guys, I have not, honestly, I have not looked at the YouTube version, but I religiously download the audio version. They have a great energy. They're Lucy both great. Lucy is a great photographer, yep. very knowledgeable, very enjoyable. He says, love the interviews, but I especially enjoy the episodes with just you two. Oh, that's very nice. He says, regarding the X-Pan pre-winding film, he says, this is an innovation Fujifilm launched in 1983 with the DL200 point-and-shoot. It continued with many Fujifilm cameras, including one of my favorite point-and-shoots, the Natura Black F1.9. That's a great feature, but I will tell you, there is one thing about it that bugs me. What? You know how I like to move film from camera to camera. Can't do that. Yeah. Can't do that if it's pulling all the film out. So, anyway... He said, as a new film photography YouTuber, I am always checking out other channels. Imagine my surprise when Gabe Sachs randomly popped up out of the trunk of a car, we would say car boot, in a video I was watching. That's Gabe Sachs. That's Gabe Sachs. I shouted to the dog. He didn't care. The video was on Chris Chu's channel. Oh, yes. Great to hear him on the podcast soon after. He said, have you gentlemen tried Cinestill 400D? Have you heard, Matt? No. Raving about this? Yes, I've heard about it. He I'd shoots not it at 1600. It. Oh, he wow. shoots it at 1600, pushes it two stops. He says it's better than Fujifilm Natura 1600, in his opinion. Would love to hear your thoughts. I have a roll of Cinestill 400 in my fridge. I'm looking at it. I'm going to do this. And we will get back to you, Matt. Until next time, yours in film, Matt Murray. Matt, thank loves you, Matt. Cameras. Gabe. 
We did not quite empty the prodigious mailbag, but we got awfully close. How do you feel? I feel okay. I feel that was a <laughs> that was a lot of emails, and uh, I think our our team of listeners will understand. Okay, so we still have about ten left in the mailbag, <laughs> covering late July to now, mid August. We will get to them in our next episode. Once again, guys, we love this conversation with you. I dream of cameras at gmail.com. One other quick thing. Half a cookie. Oh boy. Half a cookie has come up not on this podcast, but on other podcasts as well. Yes. <laughs> as as the analogy to half frame and full frame cameras. And as a tribute, my brother Keith, who is responsible for our graphic look and feel, has done a new t-shirt about half a cookie in the style of peanuts. Right. Check it out in the merch page at idreamofcameras.com. It's great. I'm ordering one. It's so good. Any final thoughts, Gabe, before we close out this episode? Episode Well, I mean, one thought is that in two episodes, we're going to hit 40, which I'm very, very excited mm. about. And then we stop. And then we stop. Right? No. Yeah. Never. We are no. never, ever, never. ever, ever stopping. I am just glad that there is... Here's something I was thinking about today because I put this grain question out to a lot of people. Like, what am I yes. doing wrong? Because I was sure it was something I'm doing wrong. And Trev Lee, uh, you know, Brandon Sedman. I mean, it just it goes on and on. And just people were so generous with sort of thoughts and yeah. what to do. And, and Trev's been a big help in looking into it. And we're going to... We'll figure it out at some point. And Ilford's been great, but it's just so nice that everyone's concerned and wants to help out. And uh, that's what this is all about. So we love when you send us emails and we can answer questions or or just read them aloud. We love it. Thanks, guys. Yes, that is a tribute to the, the odd sort of community that has grown up around this show in the yes. past like year and three quarters. We're very grateful for that. Also, who else are we grateful to? Look at that we segue. We are very grateful to... <laughs> I mean, Keith Greenstein, I mean, just that, that Peanuts design is just <laughs> fantastic. I was so excited. And uh, and also, you wore the, that amazing sort of shirt from that other, you know, that was designed from oh, that yeah. other company. Yeah. It looks the, the, so good. From that other company. I love it. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't seen that as our second newest design. Love it. It says on the front, it has in this beautiful font... It says the smash hit podcast. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. That's my favorite thing about it. Yep. So yes, Keith, thank you for that. And who else do we thank? I think we have to thank the amazing Fred Corey for our sound bites and yeah. our amazing theme music and overall being a great person. So uh, we love Fred and we're going to yes. take him on a photo adventure soon. Yes. Fred is responsible, not just for the beginning and end of the episode, but that prodigious... Mailbag cue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This brings to a close episode 38. Gabe, walk us out of here. Everyone, please write in and tell me what is the finest grain film I can shoot. Is there a uh, Pan F22? Is there anything like that I could use? If there is, please let me know because apparently... I am so bad that I caused baseball-sized grains on my negatives. <laughs> anyway, we will see you next week. Thank you again for listening. 